on this week's episode of Polk and Kush. Boy, a lot happened in the city of New Orleans this weekend. We got a trade. We got devastating injuries. We've got major depth chart problems for the Saints. We will talk about all of that and, of course, all of your favorite segments coming up right here on Polk and Kush. Welcome everyone to Polk and Kush. It's July 28th, 2021. We've got a lot to talk about to this week in the middle of the summer, usually a doldrum time. And instead, we got trades, we got injuries, we got signings, we got all sorts of shit. And the sun is beating our ass, but we're not going to back down. Scott Kushner here with Andrew Polk, and we have got so much to talk to you about this week. How are you, sir? I am uh, I'm doing well. I'm excited to get into it. It's nice to have a full podcast back. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not talking about the Sandcastle Building Championships. <laughs> we're not talking about the Big Three basketball tournament <laughs> with Ice Cube. We got Saints. We got Pelicans. We got Olympics. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. There's a ton going on in the city right now, uh, despite the fact that all of a sudden we all miss the rain. You know, there, yeah. you, you mentioned a few weeks ago, you're like, if it wasn't raining, it'd be 95 degrees all day. And everyone would be complaining about that. It's like, sure enough, it stopped raining and it's 95 degrees every day. I hope that's the only thing I've complained about on the podcast that comes true. <laughs> I hope there are no more Polk and Kush predictions. That, yeah. That, come to fruition <laughs> it tends not to be in our favor uh when these things come true uh we are playing a road game uh tonight uh we are not in the bud light lime studio we are actually in uh my kids toy room right now so yeah. this is we are in the juicy juice <laughs> uh... <laughs> the, ju- the juicy juice uh arena uh that we have decided to come in here there's uh surrounded by toys uh, a lot of stuffed animals everything in here looks just a little sticky i'm worried i'm sitting in <laughs> peanut butter if i go into anaphylaxis during the show there's an EpiPen in my bag <laughs> just aim for the heart so i appreciate you uh coming across town uh for this one uh you know the, the uh, lack of tires in the front, I hope it didn't throw you off too bad. It's, uh, you know, it was weird coming out here and seeing people walking around, not afraid, seeing lines at fast food that seemed to be moving. That was weird. Didn't see any fires. I don't know how you live out here, man. We will, uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber, we will be releasing the address. Yeah. Yes, you can come and hang out here, yeah. too. Anybody can $5 for a ticket to the toy room. Uh, so just jumping straight in, uh, it was a busy week for both teams, uh, no doubt. I think we probably would have led with the Saints if on a normal time. But what happened on Monday was pretty earth shattering for this team, uh, which is Eric Bledsoe. Goodbye, Stephen Adams. Goodbye. And the New Orleans Pelicans have essentially uh, just. Men in black sticked uh, the entire <laughs> 2020 offseason. Uh, it, it, it's gone. I mean, they just erase it from memory. It's memento. It's whatever uh, amnesia-inducing thing you want to talk about. They basically have the entire 2020 offseason they spent all that time hyping up. They've just gotten rid of all of it. Well, it's a little weird to think about because it's basically every decision, every big move that Griff made – has now just vanished. Yeah. You know, Zion put on the Thanos glove and snapped, (laughs) and then all these mistakes disappeared. Do you feel satisfied by that? Because, you know, we're like, you got to get rid of Bledsoe. Adams, I always take him or leave him. I think most people were, leave him, get rid of him, ship him off. He just looks unhealthy last year more than anything. How do you feel? Do you feel vindicated? Do you feel hopeful? Here's the deal. Is it never enough? It's ne- of course, it's never enough. I I love going on, you know, message boards and seeing people calling me like the most negative asshole in the world. <laughs> that always just makes me 
very happy. But we are up to 95 reviews on iTunes. There we go. Yes. So. <laughs> yes. And hey, one four-star guy. I still I still <laughs> am waiting for you to emerge from the shadows. Uh, but no, I I don't think you should laud him with praise, uh, that him being Griff or the Pelicans. I don't think they deserve to be showered with praise and thrown hosannas at their feet uh, for simply correcting an error that occurred. Uh, this is the equivalent of buying a house and the wall of the house is falling apart and you fixed the wall. You did not make the house better. You simply fixed the part that you screwed up, which was not realizing you had a back wall that was falling apart. The Pelicans. This has nothing to do with Jansen. No. <laughs> no. Just want to no. throw that out there. But Griff has just basically sidestepped all. He, he had to spend a little bit of money to fix something that he broke. Right? About $20 million. So that's not. So he got the $20 million back. Uh, that's a huge thing. So they, they cleared the deck. Uh, which allows them to go into free agency with a lot of options, which they had very few options before. Uh, they still have a whole bunch of assets. They only gave up really one draft pick uh, for next year, which is that Lakers pick, that there's almost no chance that's going to be a decent pick anyway. The odds of the Lakers being really bad next year is pretty low. And if even if they're in the top 10, it's protected and the Pelicans keep it. There's a zero percent chance the Lakers <laughs> are, in, are among the ten worst teams in the league next year. Uh, so yeah, that pick will probably be in the twenties, and that'll go to Memphis. So that's really what you've given up in exchange. You've gotten Jonas Valanciunas, Jonas Valanciunas, who's pretty good, and he's definitely better than Stephen Adams and fits next to Zion better. So all in all, you walk away going like he he made up for the mistake that he made. Uh, but I don't think outside of that, and he had to spend a little bit to do it. But I don't think you deserve a lot of praise for fixing a mistake, right? Like, when you make it something better, you deserve praise. Right. When you fix something you fucked up, I don't think that's, you know, worthy of, of this huge celebration. Yeah, maybe not praise or celebration, but it is appreciated because we've certainly seen with this team before sticking the same yeah. shitty path, you know, getting in a rut and, and nothing really happening. You know, the, the mules spinning his wheels with this team a lot. Yeah. So that is refreshing. It does not deserve praise, but you can see it for what it is and go, I'm glad that they are correcting the mistakes and moving forward. Are the exact same mistakes going to happen again? That's the question now. And that's what they can be judged on, which I think is a good thing, that we can judge them on the moves, the next moves that they make. They don't have to get judged on the moves from last year because those are gone. Yeah. So he's wiped that clean. And now he's getting another opportunity. He's got a new coach. He fired. He hired a coach last year. He fired him. He's got a new one. A whole new decision process involved there. He made two big acquisitions last summer. Whether you know from the Drew Holiday trade, he ended up with Stephen Adams, who he also extended, which was a giant mistake. Uh, and Eric Bledsoe, they're gone. So now you can judge it with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh set of evidence. I think those are all good things. But, yeah, it is a skill to understand when to walk away from a mistake that you made. And that's a good skill that David Griffin has shown. I give Griff more shit than anyone in the world. He did well here by understanding. <laughs> Fair. Uh, he did well here by recognizing a shortcoming, recognizing mistakes that were made, and not doubling down on it simply because there were decisions that he'd already made. It's fun to look at this on paper and go, all right, we got rid of Steven Adams. And did, was it an upgrade there? Big foreign white guy to big foreign white guy. <laughs> I love it. Optimistic. Let's see. We got rid of Eric Bledsoe. Can we get a stocky out of his prime Kyle Lowry <laughs> to replace him? I'm loving it. New coach. for The biggest difference here, I think, is going to be the coach. We don't know too much about Willie. Yeah, he didn't say much today either. No. Uh, in his introductory press conference, it was like uh, actively boring. Like, it was almost as if he wrote answers to be as boring as possible. Well, it was a weird time for the press conference because, like, sirens are going off about COVID-19, but they're like, everybody's dying. The hospitals yeah. are shut down again. Here's a new coach. Yeah. All right. We're going to do it in person. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I actually didn't go uh, today. Not because of that. Just generally, I, yeah. I couldn't make it. But, like, it was a weird, it was a weird press conference. Like, Griff 
was you know poetic as always. He talked about a tapestry. You couldn't go because they told you it was at a different location. <laughs> they, they didn't invite me. You showed up. And you're like what? Uh, um, I yeah. Griff didn't take questions, uh, so that kind of made it whatever. But yeah, he he you know some of the phrases he uses is just hilarious. Like I I don't know where he comes up with some of the stuff, but it's very eloquent. It's remarkably eloquent. Uh, whether or not it's effective is a different question, but it's always entertaining. I get uh, I get that criticism talk. a lot on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Sound great, not saying a word. The uh, you know, and he's obviously very high in Willie Green. He's obviously very excited for what they have. He intimated uh, essentially that when you, I think what he was saying is like, this is uh, judging each decision right now is like looking at a book uh, word by word. You know, and judging each word as it comes across. And so you have to kind of take a 30,000 foot look at the end of it to see what each individual move is meaning. What that basically says in code, uh, <laughs> at least that I picked up on, is they did all this to clear space because they have someone in mind to upgrade the team significantly. And the most obvious candidate uh, that that is is Kyle Lowry. Uh, like you just mentioned, I think he is definitely the number one target. Uh, there's a lot of smoke. Uh, out there about him he fits a ton of what the pelicans needs are right now uh and you know is he out of his prime probably is he a little older probably but he's also still really good and he is uh a winner and they need those two things very badly right now and a point card yeah i mean you can look at this kind of as the pelicans realistic move for a Phoenix-like step with Chris Paul. Yeah. He he checks a lot of those boxes that Chris Paul did coming into the Suns. Yeah. Um, I think the bigger question than who are, who are they going to get? Probably Kyle Lowry, you know? Yeah. People like to throw out Beal. They like to throw out Dame because yeah. those are fun, young, or, you know. No. Well, those are real all-stars still. Right. And, and guys who aren't definitely on the back end of their career. I think uh, Lowry is is probably the best fit for the team, just leadership-wise. It's not going to be this kind of faux, phony, Instagram, quotable leadership that they, they kind of forced on us with J.J. Redick. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be somebody that actually relates to the team. And uh, him coming in, uh, it, it, the question is, will Willie relate to these players as well as Kyle will? You know, he's three years older than Kyle Lowry. You know, Kyle Lowry <laughs> knows these players better than Willie does. Sure. Willie said he'd never met Zion. Yeah. So I think the, the question of a fit for Lowry is is uh, a little more solved, makes a little more sense coming into the team. Sure. Willie is the big question mark on this team right now. He's definitely a question mark. He's a first-year head coach. He sounded like a first-year head coach today, a guy who hadn't done a ton of coaching interviews. He was very opaque about what he wanted to do from a basketball perspective. He was very opaque about basically everything except for the fact that he was appreciative and he likes New Orleans, so those things are good, I suppose. Uh, but the way that Griff talked there and what we've seen, it, it is very obvious they are going to try to make this team better now uh that the concept of waiting and kicking the can and all of those sorts of things and uh, acquiring and accumulating assets i think those days are gone uh they have to be better there's no excuse not to be better they cleared the cap room they they you know they spent a little bit of money but not a ton and now they have a lot of flexibility and what they use it on is got to make them better right away there's no choice like you cannot have another season of Ingram and Zion and, an, and especially a third, basically a third roster, a uh, third starting lineup around them just completely fizzle. This has to work. And the most sure thing that's on the open market that is available with the money they have is Kyle Lowry. They have to be a win now team, but they also have to not repeat themselves because yeah. the media has caught on. You know, Pelicans fans, Hornets fans have known how the team operates for a long time. Yeah. The media has really caught on to the Pelicans' circle of mediocrity. <laughs> and the players are smart, and it's a player-driven league now. They can do whatever they want to. The Pelicans just can't do what they've done before. It happens to be that the team is going to have to be win now because of it. Yeah. There is a difference between win now and push all your chips in. 
with AD, they constantly had no room for flexibility. With Chris Paul, they had no money. They had a much better team when Chris Paul was younger. Uh, but they had no money, and they really took one shot with James Posey. That was the only big shot they ever took in free agency. That wasn't a big one. It didn't work, and then they got hurt, and it all died. Uh ADs, the problem with the AD era was that from the start, basically from this point, instead of what the Pelicans have now, which is they still have a bunch of Laker picks, they have all of their own picks, and they have uh, you know, some Bucks picks down the line. That team had nothing because they traded two first rounders for Drew Holiday off the bat, and then they were playing from behind from that moment on. They traded a first rounder for Omer Oshik and then gave him a whole bunch of money. Like, if you recall, they're always playing with no wiggle room. The Pelicans still have wiggle room. They have a little less, but the, during the AD era, it would have been way harder to get off of these bad contracts. You saw how long it took for them to move off of Jinsa and move off of Mirashik. This is different, and this is the benefit of inheriting Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday and being able to trade them. And so you're seeing the benefits of that in the long term. Now, you have to pivot from covering up your mistakes to actively going and getting better. This is the last offseason that you can spend these picks just covering your tracks. Like, you can't screw this up again and then spend next offseason giving up another first-round pick simply to move off of mistakes. They, ha they have a ton of pressure to do the right thing right now, which is why I think they're going to go and get the surest possible asset that's out there. Uh, they, they have to, and... Uh that's what the team wants. This yes. is what Brandon Ingram wants. This is what yes. Zion wants. This isn't just a management move or something to placate the fans. This is to keep the team together. The, yes. the team is a ticking time bomb, and if they don't make the playoffs this upcoming season, it's, it's going to be a completely different face the next time that we're talking about any of these kinds of decisions. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you saw the NBA today uh, officially instituted – the uh, tournament again for next year, the play-in tournament. So it is, once again, 10 teams will make the playoffs. Uh, if you can't get in the top 10 with $20 million or possibly $36 million in room, uh, and, you know, Zion and Ingram in their third season together, uh, you got really big problems, like catastrophically big problems at that point. You're not talking about, 50 wins you're talking about 41 wins right i mean this is a totally achievable goal they should be able to get to that point i think any sign of tangible progress like that will be seen as a huge positive i don't know exactly where they go in every direction to get it it does sound like lonzo ball not coming back it does sound like uh josh hart though it sounds like they do want to bring josh hart back uh, and I think he does fit with whoever they bring in in free agency. I think Josh Hart's a good addition or good retention. Well, to circle back a little bit, uh, to be positive, this team was not incredibly far off from 41 wins last season. No, that's true. And the team currently, uh, just with the looming possibility of Kyle Lowry, even if it's not Kyle Lowry, this is a better team right now yeah. than it was last season. Yeah. Um, so the yeah, they got rid of negative players, and I don't think the play-in tournament would be a, 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 an end-all for Griff or the Pelicans. I yeah. think if you get into the play-in tournament, people are going to go, "All right, yeah, it's a little forward progress." I, I don't exactly. think it has to be, you know, the number six seed. It's not gonna be probably not play-in tournament. That's a fine goal, just as we said last it, season. Exactly, and the team is better uh, now. Josh Hart. I, he is fine. Josh Hart's good. We all, everybody likes Josh Hart. I like Josh Hart. And I think he makes sense as a restricted free agent. I don't think he's going to fetch that much in the open market. I think he's a good player to return. For cap perspective, I think it helps them to actually operate over the cap and below the luxury tax. I, I'm not smart enough to really understand all of it, quite frankly. Um, but I think he is more likely to be brought back. I think Lonzo, uh, all the writing on the wall is Lonzo is gone. Well, uh, I guess the rumor is that uh, Griff has not been discussing Lonzo uh, during the coaching interviews, talking to any of yeah. these guys. Lonzo yeah. <laughs> has not been 
mentioned at all. Yeah. Uh, I guess Chicago is kind of the uh, the rumor that's floating around. Chicago, New York, I think those are likely. Whether they can get something back in like a sign and trade would be good. He didn't fetch hardly anything on the open market at the trade deadline, though, so I don't really know what he'll get you know, now. Uh, but it's clear that what you're going to see is a team that's very reshaped. You know, year one with Griff was the Drew Holiday show and Zion was going to be there. Year two was defensive toughness and grit and you know, whatever. And that just failed miserably. Uh, and now year three is going to be totally different. It's going to definitely be based around Zion uh, more than anything. But they it is going to be a total makeover. You're going to see three very different versions of the Pelicans under three very different coaches under the same direction. Uh, and so this is the, a real moment of truth. What they do in the next 10 days will be more impactful for anything for this franchise than, you know, in, in the last three years. Man, uh, this team is just a pain in the ass. They really are. Because they keep setting themselves up into these huge moments. He's like giant uh, fulcrums where it can tip either direction and in these these inflection points where it's very clear like okay you have to make a decision one way or the other and what you do is either going to be a disaster or it's going to be you know a, a celebration and you know we know how the scales keep sliding yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it really it always it, it feels very similar to the summer before AD left you know there there is kind of a, a quaking feeling of deja vu all over again yeah but i i want to be positive and have fun regarding this the things that we wanted to happen are happening they got rid of stan yeah. they got rid of bledsoe they got rid of adams they brought in another white guy <laughs> <laughs> and Jonas is good Jonas can shoot he makes free throws he like rebounds the crap out of the ball you like, Jonas or jonas i thought it was Jonas. is it jonas i don't, I don't know valanchunas whatever valanchunas valanchuchu uh yeah i mean they're gonna be like <laughs> if especially if they go get kyle lowry they're gonna be good yeah like, i think they're gonna be i think if they got kyle lowry legitimately that top six thing that's is, a good uh, starting five that's a complete like that expectation assuming jackson hayes gets a little better alexander walker gets a little better like your depth is there. Your starting lineup is definitely really good. You've got three very, very good players, all-star level players. Like, that is a team that should be good, like a top five, six team. That is not – that is certainly respectable, and I think that's Griff putting a good team on the court. Uh, now, what they actually do <laughs> remains to be seen. But, no, I don't think there's being negative about that. I, I just think the overall arc – changes a bit like what you're looking for from the long term what you're looking for from a lot of things but we got to see what they do i'm very curious the direction griff seemed really confident about what he was doing today we'll see how much that confidence actually uh manifests itself as he moves forward uh so that gets us through our pelican stuff a whole lot there uh we will of course you know next week we'll recap the draft and free agency uh i believe starts on the night that we are recording next week so we'll have a whole bunch uh going on there of course lots of saints news as well right now we got signings we got michael thomas stuff uh tons going on so please stick around we'll be right back And it's Jansen, Jansen Patagna, the realtor to the greatest people in America. That's J -J 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 Jansen. Poke! Jansen Patagna, realtor to the stars, the very finest realtor that we know and have ever met, and the greatest, it elicits the greatest singing that's ever existed. I feel like this might be one of the few examples of a sponsorship leading to less sales. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to stop the singing. Maybe we can get a professional singer to come in here. Michael Bolton? Maybe. <laughs> Chance Batagna at French Quarter Realty. Uh, he's easy to work with. Fans of the show have bought homes from this man, and they've had nothing but praise. Professional. Uh, easy to work with, has houses all over the place to suit your budget, your needs, your family, your future. 
Uh, currently, he's got a new listing, uh, 1127 Dauphin. It's a one-bedroom, one-bath. Go to his Instagram, J underscore Patagna. It is the most recent post. This place is amazing. Wake up to the sounds of horse and carriages as you s- sip your coffee on one of your two large balconies overlooking Dauphin Street or your lush courtyard. Two balconies? I don't even have one balcony. <laughs> Sounds pretty nice. Man, you know what's better than one balcony? Two. <laughs> it's a renovated condo. Upgrades to everything. Look at it. Off-street parking. They can't steal your car if they can't get to That's it. That's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> Go buy, if you buy this house, we will send you a free T-shirt. That's a very good point. We will send you a T-shirt. Uh, all you got to do is buy a condo. It seems like a pretty good deal. You'd be a fool to pass this <laughs> up. J underscore Patagna on Instagram. Even if you're not looking for a house, it's very... It's it's a beautifully shot account. You can get ideas for your own home that you should have bought from Jansen. That's true. Follow Jansen on social media. He really does have uh, an incredible Instagram account and it makes you uh, have constant home jealousy because he's got awesome places. And then eventually you're going to see one and go like, oh, yeah, that's one I like. And uh, that's what we can get. And let's do that. And let's call Jansen. Look at this bathroom. It has red walls. Yeah, man, that's sexy, sexy. Uh, Jansen, J-A-N-S-E-N at F-Q-R dot com. That's Jansen at F-Q-R dot com. That's French Quarter Realty. Uh, Jansen, one of the original sponsors of Polk and Cush and our favorite realtor to the stars. Jansen, that's a sponsor. That's a sponsor. So that takes us into the New Orleans Saints news. I think we know uh, where to lead this topic with. Uh, Michael Thomas had uh, ankle surgery. We don't know if it was the first ankle surgery, the second ankle surgery, or whatever. Uh, torn ligaments, multiple torn ligaments in his ankle. Uh, they expect him to be out anywhere from 8 to 12 weeks, I read. Multiple. You know what's worse than one torn ligament? Multiple. I, I, I just like, <laughs> it's just so weird to read that he's having this surgery in the late July. Yeah, I, I uh... Don't know the time frame if there was maybe some kind of precursor leading up to it, some kind of maybe less invasive surgery, or they were trying some kind of therapy beforehand. But getting this in June, it's four months, that would put his uh, timetable back uh, against the New York Giants in week four. And that's the best case That's scenario. the best one. It's that, usually not the best one. It's usually one. not the best case scenario. Health uh, and, and the best case scenario very rarely pans out. Uh, is this a bargaining tactic? Is this a fuck you to the Saints? I think, you know, <laughs> I, I, I read it compared in uh, Canal Street Chronicles, uh, who does such a good job, you know, just kind of covering all the Saints stuff. Uh, and I hadn't seen it other elsewhere. It was like, remember, if you recall, Shaq, uh, basically after they won a championship one year, was like, I'm not getting surgery. And, and he started it like the week of training camp. <laughs> he got his surgery. Scottie Pippen, famously in the last dance, you know, got his surgery right before the season because uh, he didn't want to do it on his own time. He wanted right. to do it on the team's time. And we don't know if that's the case with Michael Thomas, but it's really weird the idea that he's getting this a week before training camp opens. He's getting this surgery that is going to take him out for so long after the season where he missed almost the whole season due to injury. I think the time for wild speculation is now. <laughs> because, it, I mean, it. I think it was last week's episode. We were saying, well, you know, no news is good news with Michael Thomas and the Saints. Yeah. He heard that and was like, you know what? I'm, I'm getting... <laughs> I'm getting my new ankle put in. I'm getting my Terminator ankle. Yeah. Whatever they're doing to him. Apparently, he didn't go in for a second evaluation. That was the something I read. So it seems like he he played this from a medical perspective on at least some level, that this was not completely above board. Uh, I'd be, I'm very curious for whenever Sean Payton addresses it, if he says anything. Uh, Michael Thomas has been unbelievably silent on social media. I don't think he's tweeted anything for over a month. Uh, maybe even longer, and I think it's been like five, six weeks since he tweeted anything, which for him, that's, you know, uh, a lot. That's an eternity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was constantly living on Twitter and talking trash with other fan bases and whatever, Like, and he's just silent. And so I think he, it's a very interesting play for him. 
it leaves an enormous gap uh, in the Saints' depth chart. I think he knows that, uh, and I don't. He got paid, so it's like it's not for money. It's not Scottie Pippen, like where he was holding out for more money, basically, and he didn't like his contract. Like Michael Thomas got a huge contract. He hasn't done shit since he got the contract, uh, but he has a huge deal. And unless he, what he's angling for is to get traded, uh, there seem to be better ways to do that, which would be like asking to be traded. Yeah, your value goes down real quick as a receiver in the league, especially one yeah. uh, that's taking time off due to surgeries. The same surgery on the same ankle yeah. at the exact same time, season after season. That's not helping his case. But again, he doesn't seem to be the most thoughtful player when it comes to uh, his intentions. Uh, being in line with his own wants. Yeah, I mean it's weird. Like you, you remember the news, the fight that he had in practice. Yeah. He's, there's all stories of like him just kind of being a, a total loose cannon. Uh, but as we've mentioned here, like for two years there, when the Saints were playoff teams, like he was the best part of the team. Oh yeah, he was spectacular. He was a 99 rating in Madden for Madden for a reason. Like he is uh, every bit as good as a guy who's that big of a diva should be. When Terrell Owens was the best receiver in the NFL, he was a maniac and a diva. <laughs> when, I mean, how many countless examples do we have? Ocho Cinco, like, there's so many guys who are complete maniacs and divas, and it's because they were the best at the time. Yeah. But that doesn't last, and your behavior at some point catches up to you, and I don't think Michael Thomas is there yet, uh, but this was very off-putting, I think, to a lot of people. Yeah, well, the Saints today trying to fill the Michael Thomas-sized hole by signing uh, Chris Hogan to a one-year deal. I didn't know he was still in the NFL. He is now. <laughs> was the last time he played for the Patriots? I guess so. Jets. It's the last, I, last one I remember is the Patriots. Yeah. He, uh, among a you know, rotating cast, like a, a lazy Susan of white guys he just <laughs> threw out there around uh, Tom Brady. Well, this is Callaway's team now. I think we can... <laughs> You know, somebody is going to have to step up. Four games is more than enough time for somebody <laughs> sure. to. It could be. It could. Let's look at this from a positive perspective. <laughs> this is somebody's time to shine with a brand new quarterback, a paper thin defense. <laughs> uh, everybody's coming for you. A brutal conference schedule against realigned teams. You really see the the going on Saints Twitter. I think I put out one tweet that said like, "What a disaster of an offseason," which objectively disaster of i saw season. a bunch of people replying going oh it was a disaster yeah it's like really was it is it what makes it a disaster it's like okay well you <laughs> lost a hall of fame quarterback and replaced him with nothing uh your starting cornerback who's probably your best player on defense he got suspended for having a felony got stolen gun in his possession uh your defensive tackle who is probably you know the 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 most reliable defensive lineman that you have since Cam Jordan sucked last year. Uh, he decided he was going to take steroids, so he's out for a while. You didn't sign your safety, uh, so he's probably pretty pissed off. He didn't off. know they were steroids, by the oh, way. Oh, that's he true. Yeah, decide. totally. Yeah, I forgot. Decide. Unknowingly took steroids. Sure. Uh, and that, So now you have two quarterbacks who've never done anything of real value other than throw interceptions and not be able to pass the ball. Uh, you have... Uh, uh, you've moved your center that you drafted to guard, which is a complete mystery of whether or not that guy's going to be any fucking good. Uh, and and now the position that you didn't think you had to address because you at least had one really good player at it, receiver is now probably the worst position group in the NFL at it. There can't be a group of receivers worse than the Saints receivers right now. So what do you have? You have a running back and a right tackle and a middle linebacker. That's what the Saints have. And I guess a free safety if he's not pissed off about not getting paid this offseason. That's your team. We've got spirit, Kush. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> you know, there's just something about the gumbo, jambalaya, crawfish, <laughs> New Orleans spirit. That you can't. T Did you see the Gleason documentary? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's saying, like, look, they've had holes in the past and they've been Sean Payton's done a great job of filling them. And, you know, they won, what, they went 3-1 with Taysom, and the year before they won with Teddy Bridgewater. It's like, yeah, those teams were not as screwed up as this team is right now. The fact that they drafted Peyton Turner in the first round, like a complete reach project at defensive end, is so crazy in retrospect. When you think about all the holes that this team has right now that need to be filled, and they did nothing to fill any of them, 
They drafted a third defensive end well, who's a complete project. Well, some of those holes are recent holes. They're all recent. So it's it's just like unfortunate that the draft happened when it did. Yeah. Because they, they, there are so many places that have, since the draft, have needed shoring up, and they just didn't do it. It's crazy. It and is. And free agency. Did you reply to every tweet with that exact response? No, I should have. <laughs> I'm just going to clip this and send it tomorrow and watch my mentions get flooded with who dat 16 2009 You know, like, it's just going to be a disaster with these guys. And And look, optimism is great. Sean Payton deserves the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways, but this would be like the most monumental coaching job in NFL history if they were to start off this season four and two or five. And one. We don't dabble in optimism at Polk and Fish Enterprises. <laughs> I saw something foreboding for the Saints season. I was walking to work in the Saints Vader on Bourbon Street. I saw him like getting arrested. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not good for anybody. <laughs> the. What this all means, right, is Alvin Kamara is going to get a million touches. Yeah. And he's great. And if you can just jump on him and you like let him carry you for the first month, maybe that's enough. Bless you, boys. Uh, but at the same time, <laughs> that's not a sustainable way to get through 17 weeks. Uh, you have to be able to be more diverse offensively. We obviously don't know what Jameis can do, and maybe – Traquan Smith or Marcus Callaway or one of these guys ends up being a, a better threat than we realize, but there can't be a less proven group of receivers in the NFL on week one than what the Saints are going to roll out there. Well, you got Taysom Hill, never forget, Swiss Army <laughs> Knife, trademark it. It's probably already trademarked. He can go out there and receive Deontay Harris, tiny Deontay. He can go yes, out there, the tiny run dancer. in between people's legs, get the ball. <laughs> and the Trout Man? The Trout Man's out there. Trout Man. <laughs> the Trout Man. And these are all names that people who watch the Saints 17 games a year or 16 games a year all know. Nobody else in the world knows who these people are. I get it. Look, I get it. The Saints offseason, yes, I think disaster is correct. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I know. I'm going to get out there exactly. and play. Just play. I need I you. To, I need something. I know. I got nothing. I know. I know. <laughs> Just play. It what, is am a, I going to watch the fucking Olympics? I, I need the football. Back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird time to think like the I think the Pelicans are in actually in far better position than the Saints are right now. Yeah. Which is uh, not good for anybody. <laughs> I know. And it's like that's just uh, I understand wanting to be, you know, seeing the silver lining of this. But this is a lot of unexpected problems occurring in a very short amount of time. Now, this happens during seasons all the time. You, you know, four or five of your best players get hurt and you got to deal with it and patch it together and whatever. This does happen. It feels bigger because it is occurring right now when every other team in the league is basically completely healthy and you're already running on a shoestring unit right and you've got a whole bunch of guys that have proven essentially nothing in the nfl that you have to rely on in a huge way and it just feels like it's going to take uh, a monumental effort in order to make this work but i mean i am excited there is that little scintilla that little boy with the innocent head in the back of my brain <laughs> that just says maybe james is going to be awesome maybe he just needed a coach it would be a lot of fun to see <laughs> yeah, maybe he's going to be great like, see, maybe some, they're going to run the triple option with Taysom and Alvin Kamara. <laughs> it's going to be fun to see. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Bless I, those boys. Yeah. And uh, I think the line on the over under is still nine wins. The Saints. That seems a little optimistic. now. It's perfectly reasonable. Sure. Sure. <laughs> A lot of credit to Sean Payton. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I think the preseason opens in a week. The first preseason game, I think, is a week from Monday. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. And we've got a whole bunch going on in Saints land. So uh, training camp updates coming soon. People will be able to go if you want to go out there. This wear, weekend. Yeah, wear all your poke and cush gear. And make sure to uh, tell everyone you know you listen to the podcast. Uh, we'll be back. We've got a whole bunch of segments coming right at you right now. Hulk News. Hulk News. So 
COVID-19. Remember that one? It's over, right? It's back and better than ever. What? We're on COVID-20 now. <laughs> this one came from a bigger lab <laughs> in a dirtier part of <laughs> Wuhan. Look. Are you, I'm sick of arguing with every everything. I, it's just people yelling at each other. Well, the NFL is now Twitter, and everyone's yelling at each other in the NFL. Yes. The Vikings offensive line coach, he quit the team because he didn't want the mandatory vax. Unbelievable. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, D-Hop, he tweeted that he might not have a future in the NFL uh, regarding possible mandatory vaccinations. I don't know. Say ya. Where are you going to go? There's not another NFL. Enjoy. You're going to go play in the CFL? Yeah. Have fun being the greatest. I'm sure they're going to make you get vaccinated too, friendo. I mean, it's crazy. But I think it's going to affect a lot of rosters. For you, sure. This uh, the thing. bill, like everybody on the bills has been like, fuck you. I'm not getting a vax. <laughs> like everyone on the bills. There was a, I don't know his name. He was an offensive lineman on the on the bills. And Sports Illustrated said this. Some channeled their inner QAnon uh, with Bills offensive lineman Jonathan Feliciano tweeting and then deleting. It's been proven that COVID was made in a lab. Fauci, also a part of Pfizer. That's why people don't want to get the vaccine. Sad to come to the realization that you cannot trust the government. Hashtag don't shoot the messenger. That doesn't sound like a QAnon statement to me. Not half of it. No. The Fauci working for Pfizer, that's a stretch, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, they're basically making it impossible to not get the vaccine. And yeah. especially if you're not a hot like DeAndre Hopkins can say that. OK, and maybe he can even ha not have the vaccine. They're going to make it a huge pain in the ass to not have it. OK, but if you're a low level, like if you're catching on the roster or a practice squad uh, at the very end of it, there ain't no way. Uh, you're going to be able to do that unvaccinated because yeah. they're not going to go through the pain in the ass of traveling you separately and putting you in a separate room and making sure everyone that you're with is wearing a mask. Like if you're not worth it, they're not going to do it. And so they basically make they're kind of the first very public big company to require vaccinations. Essentially, they're making it all but impossible. Yeah. Some of the restrictions for unvaccinated players are uh, being sequestered, not being able to go out, yeah. not being able to have overnight guests, which seems like commercial. a commercial. This is going to be, you know, it's like y you can't force them to, I suppose. That's forcing them to. Yes. I don't really care. No. You know, I mean, what's you're working for a giant company. Things like drug tests, those might violate your civil liberty. You can argue that some of this stuff violates your civil liberties. And then the argument is, well, you're also getting paid millions of dollars to play a game. Yeah. Yeah. You pick. So which one matters <laughs> to you? The same way if you go to college, you got to get a spinal meningitis shot. Yeah. I don't know what's in the spinal meningitis shot. You know, if I got to take it. If it was I like, want to go to college. I want to smoke weed on my parents' dime. <laughs> if it was like you can't get a driver's license without having a vaccine, that would be something crazy. Sure, and different or you're on the no-fly list. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this job is a luxury. Like, you, yeah. you, you don't. You don't just get to be in the NFL. There, there are certain things you have to do like any other job. This is one of them. Argue about it from a political stance all you want. Yeah. But they don't have to fucking hire you. They don't. Uh, but they, this they is still a job. Yeah. This is a job. And they can tell you what you can and can't do. That's the that's really the bottom line. The difference with the NFL is that there is no competition. So they are a monopoly. And therefore, when they do decide to blackball people, when they do decide to make big sweeping decisions in a lot of ways it does end somebody's career so it is different than like if uber instituted a rule versus lyft like they are different there's nowhere else to go if you're not in the nfl so for one i'm fine make everyone get vaxxed i don't I, I would have i would be going door to door and not and, and forcing people to get vaccinated at this point <laughs> i can't believe we're still dealing with this shit uh, but I'm not the one who gets to make that decision, unfortunately. Right. And it'll be interesting to see if the NFL gets any pushback, because I do think it's going to be a huge role as you watch the end of these training camps, uh, as you watch the last five, six spots these rosters get filled, and not a single unvaccinated guy will be among them. Yeah, I mean, this is really just the start of it, too. The NBA managed to skirt around it. I think a lot of that had to do with LeBron being like, well, I'm not going to disclose. So the league was just like, all right, we're not disclosing. Yeah, It also happened mid-season yeah. when the vaccine actually rolled out. So I think they had that covered a little bit. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a this is a mess. People are getting the COVID all over again. People who have two vaccines are getting at least some level of COVID. They're gonna if they're testing all the time, they're gonna be testing positive a lot. Yeah, because apparently this variant is very contagious. Like this is a shit show waiting to happen. And the NFL was like, if you have a team that has COVID problems, you are forfeiting. And, and you're not getting gets paid. paid. Nobody gets paid. That's going to be some fistfights in the locker room. Jesus. How does the Player Association <laughs> agree to that? Whew. I mean. <laughs> We're not attorneys. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> we like no resumes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. That's, you know, a big thing right now. And it's just the new reality. So maybe yeah. the NFL will pave the way for how that's going to affect you know working at mcdonald's working at walmart yeah. who knows but uh i'd get all three types of vaccines yeah. i don't care keep stacking them i ate at wendy's today <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what's in there you don't you've nope. eaten a hot dog you don't really <laughs> care about what you're no putting idea in your what's body. In my body yeah i don't care i smoke yeah <laughs> <laughs> you smoke <laughs> cigarettes and you're complaining about the vaccine yeah. <laughs> these guys probably don't smoke cigarettes uh more covid uh destroying the world of sports the olympics have you been watching the olympics a little bit like at so the gym and weird stuff. yeah that's definitely a gym I show three on three basketball today at the gym yeah how is that it's weird you can't play defense it's like impossible <sighs> there's so many weird sports and the, there's skateboarding now skate yeah. you're getting a gold medal for skateboarding they're wearing polos yeah uh, wh- you have wh- a I, skateboarding I, I, uniform? I played a lot of Tony Hawk. I don't remember any of them wearing polo shirts. No, you're supposed to listen to, you know, no effects. Yeah, and, and wear a finger. Yeah, <laughs> wear a Bam Margera shirt and jump over a car. Yeah. This should not be an Olympic sport. <laughs> cargo shorts and polos. How are they s- suspending runners for weed and they're not the skateboard team made it? How, how did that happen? <laughs> I do like the judo. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Fencing. Yeah. My problem with these sports is always that when you watch the NFL or you watch the NBA, it's like there's, you know, three million people in the country who are trying to play basketball, who are trying to play football, whatever it is, like a very large swath of the country. How many people are really fencing? 500? So you're the best of 500 fencers in the country, and that's why you get to go to the Olympics. Like, it's even worse in the winter where it's, you know, whatever level. Like, if you weren't born within a 150-mile radius of the mountains, you're, you're, you have no chance of making any of these sports. Yeah. So it just it always smacks to me a little of like, oh, the synchronized divers are the best. It's like, I'm confident we could find two other people in the country who could be better at this than you. Do you do. think Derrick Henry would be a good fencer? <laughs> I bet he would be. He certainly would not be hurt by the blade. <laughs> Just snap in half. Yeah, I watched the fencing. Of course, it's France winning. The guy's yes. dancing. I can't tell what's happening. There's if like, you asked me to guess which <laughs> one won, <laughs> like, I don't. It looked like they, hit them, they both hit each other at the same time for the most part. Yeah. Basketball, men's uh, basketball lost to France. Deserved. That's always the thing. I kept seeing on Twitter, like, yep, that's what you get when you're woke. No. That's why you lost a friend. Don't you love America? Isn't the whole reason you're arguing about wokeness is because you're protective of your country and the values of it, and then you're saying you're glad that the United States lost to France? Yeah. Fuck you. You're a fake patriot. You, does I everybody much on the, more with French values. Does everybody on the team have to agree with you? Quit being a baby and cheer for your country. I agree. I'm with you on that. <laughs> I thought it was ridiculous that uh, they just played badly. Oh, yeah. Drew played great. Now, like, four he hours got off, off the plane. The plane. Yeah. I know. Kevin Durant sucked. Damian Lillard sucked. I think that they'll get it back together. They'll probably win. Hopefully, they get into the medal round. And then, I mean, they're obviously, they're very talented. Uh, they very clearly shit the bed in that one. Though. Well, they're playing, uh, I believe, Iran and then the Czech Republic. So... Got to win those. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and win those. Uh, one of my favorite things I saw was speed walking. Oh, yeah, that's great. This looks like a Mr. Show sketch. <laughs> Olympic speed walking. It's awesome. I do, do it every you, day in, the, in, the, in the Pond of Park. Do you get disqualified? Like, if somebody just jogged a little, would they go, hey, cut it out? I mean, that's what I was like. I guess the rules, you have to have two feet on the ground at all times. Or, like... There always has to be one foot on the ground. That's the rule that d- differentiates walking and running. 
Hmm. Right? So there always has to be one foot down. Yeah. It seems like there are ways to trick that system. Like you could just run full speed and drag <laughs> your foot a little. This is the one sport where somebody with, a, if somebody with a club foot can dominate the sport. I don't know how good the sport is. I just also find like what officials like what, there's like a, a 500 people in this thing. Like are they looking at every single person's foot on every step they take for the entirety of this thing? Feels very easy to cheat. Yeah, maybe there's like a floor is lava type situation where it can tell if you've lifted your foot. But I think that's what differentiates. Yeah, I thought it was great. There was also like an accident at the start of the triathlon. Like all the bikes just like crashed into each other. I thought that was wonderful as Man. well. So, uh, no, the Olympics is fine. It's two weeks and it's not that often. So we all get to bitch about this every year. All the judgments. I have no idea what they're judging. It's very exciting. Yeah, I don't know. People are talking about gymnastics a lot. I'm not. I don't keep up with that. People decided they wanted to have hot takes on Simone Biles. I don't care. She didn't want to do it? Yeah, neither do I. Who cares? She sucked, and she took herself out because she sucked. I wish Drew Brees had done that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That takes us into your favorite part of every single week, ladies and gentlemen. Segments. Overrated. Overrated. Underrated. Overrated. I'll kick us off. Overrated. There's not a succinct term for this, but it is restaurants or bars where they are rude to you as a gimmick. Oh, man. Where they're like. I hate that. I hate it. It's so uncomfortable. Wiener Circle in Chicago is like a big one. You go in there like, fuck you, motherfucker. Yeah. Like. New Orleans has a few. I don't know if they're supposed to be. <laughs> That's not the idea of it. They're just they're just surly. This fucking I'm not gonna say their name, but this fucking I went in there. The is the be nice or leave sign sarcastic? Yeah. Cause I wanted to be like, hey motherfucker, this is your place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Being cutesy and shit. I know. Like Well, it's like the idea that like if you don't understand how to order exactly the way that I want you to order. It's like the you know the soup Nazi type thing. Yeah, yeah, I love I love going to a place that has a bunch of needless rules. <laughs> you know how restaurants work. You go in, you order at a place, and then you sit down and eat your food. If you have if you have categories of how to order, I think that your place is inefficient. Yes, and your little like bullshit. I'm not a tourist, motherfucker. No. So don't talk to me. Yeah. Like also, no one is a tourist in here. No. The tourist is they're at the gumbo store. Yes. They're not at yes. they're at quarter two sisters. They're not That's at right. the hipster whatever you want. Yeah. You know, getting a forty dollar peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> but it's made with organic peanuts. All peanuts are organic. what are you talking about? I just and I, I mentioned this and everyone's like, oh yeah, that place fuck that place. Like yeah. I don't know if they it's like I I and then, like, everybody in there, it's like a little joke that they're all in on. Yeah. Like, everybody's going to be a dick to everybody in there. Yeah. And we're just putting up with it. So, there's a place in Chicago called Ed DeBevitz. Yeah. You ever heard of this? No. And it's literally just, like, a bunch of, like, stand-up comics that are in there. And they just, like, insult you the entire time you're there. I was like, why would anyone want to do this? Yeah. That there, you actually remember. Have you ever been to Caroline's Comedy Club in New York? Yeah. There used to be a restaurant attached to that too. It was also comics, and they would just walk around, just calling everyone a loser, and just like call, like ripping on everyone. I was like eleven years old, and there were my parents, and, the, and like I remember just being like, "Who wants this?" Yeah, I get. And I guess some people just enjoy the concept <laughs> of getting roasted, but I'm like, I'm just trying to eat your horrible pasta. Like, just let me do this in peace. How good is your life? <laughs> that you have to like pay like let's go down and see what the peasants have to say this is a white people only activity can you imagine any other race just smiling and paying somebody to call them stupid we're so dumb there's a million of these places where you just go in and they call you fat and ugly and we're like yeah i'll have the onion rings yeah sounds great oh that's great we're roasts <laughs> what a mean roast I was like, yeah, I was like, I get made fun of all the time by people. Yeah. I get called a douchebag on Twitter a hundred times a day. You don't need to go to Shoney's and have them <laughs> call you <laughs> stupid. <laughs> no, yeah, insulting restaurant. Yeah, what a great concept. Uh, who would have thought that we ever got there as people? 
Where it's like, I'm not getting ripped on enough in my life. I'd like someone to, to comment on the physical features that I have problems with. I think it could w- eating. It, it could work outside of restaurants. Like, I would go to the asshole bank. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I go to the bank, like, you don't have any money. What do you want money for? You loser. You're going to go spend it with your friends? Get the fuck out of here. I would, Maybe if it worked a little harder, <laughs> I wouldn't be standing here right now. You wouldn't have to come to the asshole bank. I would go to the to the strip club where they roast you. <laughs> like, oh, you would be here. <laughs> That's every bar I go to. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, that's uh, I like that one. Uh, so we'll go to, uh, to underrated. Uh, the underrated I have for this week is uh, the King of Queens. Okay, so Peacock. I don't know if you get the cock. Uh, it's a hell of a network. <laughs> it is uh, the PC is great. A lot of Olympic coverage on there, and we discovered that the King of Queens, uh, all uh, forty-five seasons of them are on there. Uh, Kevin James, who, if you were to ask me before I started rewatching the King of Queens, I'd be like, "Yeah, Kevin James is a loser, and he's in the Ab Sandler family, and he's a hack, and he's not funny, and he's whatever." It's delightful. It's just delightful. It's like the base level comedy. It's got the laugh track. It moves at 22 minutes. It's not complicated. The jokes are right there on the surface. It is, uh, it's always a nice watch, and it's good to put on as you're like winding down your day. A mindless, nice comedy. Uh, Jerry Stiller, hilarious as Arthur Spooner. Uh, and then the, the mean chick who did sociology, uh, Leah Rimini, uh, she's great. And there's just a good show. And I feel like there's not enough just like, yeah, there's a good show. It's not the best show. It's a good show. And I think it's underrated because nobody thought everybody thinks Kevin James is a big loser now. And he stinks. He doesn't stink. He's fine. He just got overcast in like Paul Blart. He makes too much money. I think that's the problem. Uh, Kevin James is hilarious. He had a Santa special come out in 2001 called Sweat the Small Stuff. Uh-huh. And a lot of those early episodes of King of Queen are based on on jokes and bits he did in that From special. His stand-up, yeah. He's really funny. I don't he, of course he's like overplayed, you know, he's, you know, fart cop and all that stuff. Yes. But that's just because he has a good friend. Adam Sandler's the best friend in the world. Yes. He was like, yeah, everybody can get five movies. (laughs) You're all going to be gazillionaires. Like, you're not just going to be like TV show rich. You're going to be extremely rich. But I I would challenge anyone to watch a couple episodes of King of Queens and not be at least moderately uh, happier than before you started watching. I mean, it's better than Family Guy. It's it, b- it's better than The yeah. Office. I think it's better than a lot of the shows. What they're trying to do is kind of make you uncomfortable, and it's like, the, yeah, I don't know. It's like I do. I like Parks and Rec. I like obviously. I like The Office. I like all that stuff. But it is like it's just like one level. A lot of the HBO stuff too. It's like Succession's great. It's like, but you know, sometimes it just wasn't. It's like just keep it all on the surface. Yeah. And I'm just going to breathe out of my mouth and I'm going to watch Kevin James say, and I'll see y'all. Or you, know, like, you don't have to be taking notes while you walk yeah. <laughs> uh, So, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, the definition of underrated because it has nobody is like the King of Queens is good. So I, I think it's good. I think it's good, too. <laughs> I like Raymond a little bit as well. But yeah, I tell you the same category. But I, I like I like King of Queens more because I always like fat guy, hot wife. Yeah, exactly. Winning Works every combination. Time. Works every time. <laughs> Gives everybody a little bit of hope. All right. Well, that's going to take us into a your specifically you. Yes, your indeed. favorite segment. Yes, indeed. The worst. The worst. Send them in. Email us, polkandcush at gmail.com. Tweet them, DM us, uh, polkandcush on Twitter. This one comes from Alex Moore, friend of the show, from CBS Los Angeles. Police say a man disguises himself as homeless outreach advocate to sell drugs to the unhoused population in Venice Beach. That's incredible. Police say a drug dealer disguised himself as a homeless outreach advocate in Venice. So this guy's dressed up like a Mormon. He's, you know, got the jugs of water. He's got an apple. He's got a roll of toilet paper. 
He's going around, hey, you look unhoused. That's what they say in the, California. The, the, uh, yes, the, they're people, hey, but they have no homes. I've noticed that your house is und. <laughs> the suspect, identified as Gary Featherstone. That's a fake name. That's no way. <laughs> Gene Hardbottom. Yeah. <laughs> Allegedly, no, he did. Allegedly set up a tent and dealt PCP and meth to the people he claimed to be helping. Uh, now, some could say he was helping them. He was trying to taper them off of those drugs. He was giving them lower doses. Now, placebo effect. Hi, I'm Gary Featherstone. I'm the guy. I'm the homeless <laughs> outreach guy. What am I doing? Yeah, I'm selling PCP and meth. What else am I doing? According to police, Featherstone also sold sodas and snacks. That's great. Like the to, bus driver. <laughs> to disguise the drug deals. For, if your homeless outreach advocate is like, yeah, that'll be $7 for a Pepsi. I, I thought these were free. You're the well, outreach guy. There's a 7-Eleven over there. It comes with math. Don't worry. <laughs> When he was arrested on Friday, police say they found more than $15,000 in cash inside his tent. He didn't want to go to the asshole bank, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) The tent implies that he's living with them. Well, yeah, that's how he gets to, that's how he's, that's how you develop roots in the community. So this guy is, if he was not dealing drugs, he would be the snobby homeless guy. Yes, but he's also kind of a genius. Yeah, because he's like, I might live here, but I'm more of in an outreach position. I'm sure everyone else is like, you're a fucking homeless, too. I went for the niche market. It's <laughs> guerrilla marketing. And this is, well, he should be teaching in business school. This is going to be bad when, like, YouTubers find out about this. And they're like, oh, there is an untapped market here. Yep. They're going to be going out there selling, you know, sweatshirts <laughs> with their logo on it to homeless people. A lot of homeless and wearing poke and kush gear at the moment around New Orleans. Yeah, it's like whenever, you know, the Bills lost the Super Bowl and then every kid in a poor country had a Bill shirt. The Ivory now Coast. Now it's all Polk and, yeah, the Ivory Coast is filled with Polk and kush gear. This looks like where I used to live, is it? <laughs> that was your tent? Tent 7 on the Venice Boardwalk? Unfortunately, that's the whole story, so you're going to have to use your imagination. Dude, that is unbelievable, man. Gary Featherstone, what a hero. I I uh, can't imagine that that's, like, I guess they caught him, so it's bad. But how much money could that guy make? Those guys are buying drugs, regardless. Yeah. So what he did was put himself in the closest proximity. So he basically built the Starbucks Closer than the other Starbucks, and he just got all their money. It's genius. He really just entrenched himself into his market, and then he soaked the market with product, and he just took over. I can't believe the other drug dealers didn't kill him. Oh, yeah. He obviously took somebody's territory, right? Maybe he found, like, clean territory within the camp. Yeah, because they're like, well, he's also homeless. There's no way he's selling drugs because he wouldn't be homeless. It's going to suck when this is a Netflix movie in, like, two years, like Timothy Chalamet is yeah. playing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I I could definitely picture a scenario in which, you know, Christian Bale just, like, loses 60 pounds again and is Gary <laughs> Featherstone <laughs> pretending to be a homeless guy. Uh, yeah, man, that's an incredible story. So how long do you think that guy has to go to jail for? He's just a drug dealer, right? $15,000 is a lot. But he's not doing anything worse than the other drug dealers. But it just seems worse because he was faking being their advocate. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the real <laughs> sick part. I don't think giving... I don't think... Uh, Fooling the homeless is uh, is uh, punishable by jail time. <laughs> I did see some wonderful entrepreneurs in New Orleans today. So, you know, when you go like Washington Carroll to the intersection right by the Costco, there's like a homeless person at all eight corners. Like, oh, yeah. It is unbelievable the amount of homeless people that are on that little encampment there asking for money. But there was also a family, like a young family and like three kids and a dad. And the dad had a giant cooler 
full of Powerades and water. <laughs> I mean, it's a thousand degrees outside that he obviously had gotten at the Costco and he was just camped out there and his kids were just running up and down the street selling drinks for a dollar. And I was like, this is what we need. Yeah, that's like outside Jazz Fest. What's better than that? That's awesome. Then there's always water outside the Superdome. You're like, yeah, just, I, I know I can get a beer for three dollars walking out of the Superdome and a fireball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was some guy selling shot, but it was like. This this dad woke up today and was like, my kids aren't doing a goddamn thing. It's 100 degrees outside. A lot of people in the city don't have air conditioning. Let's just go. Let, I'm just going to fill up this thing. It's next to Costco. Let's just fill it up, and I'm going to go make 50 bucks today. Find a problem, create a solution. That's what good business people do. If I didn't have water in the car, I would have bought it just for the ingenuity <laughs> of it. And the kids didn't seem like they hated it, so that was nice. It's yeah. better than the when they have like their basketball uniforms on. I don't like that. That makes me sad. I always I don't know the scam there, but I feel like there is. <laughs> I thought the scam I, is they're not going to a tournament. I, I thought I was getting carjacked the other day. I, like I look and there's just somebody at my window wearing a shirt that just says sports, and I'm like, okay, okay you want money for sports? He's 37. Yeah. <laughs> we got to go to basketball camp. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that'll take us through this week's episode. Uh, thank you all so very much for listening. Thank you to those of us who've been rating us recently. We have seen numbers go up there. Our listener numbers are going up as well. Uh, we really do genuinely appreciate and love doing this show every single week. Thank you all so much for spreading the word. Continue to do so and continue to support Ale on Oak Street as well as Jansen Patagna, Realtor to the Stars. We love you all. Thank you all so very much for listening to the show. We'll be back next week with another edition of Polk and Kush. See ya.